نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله ذلك الفيض belongs to Allah we praise him seek his assistance and forgiveness and we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds whoever Allah guides there is no one that can lead him astray and whoever Allah leads astray there is no one that can guide him I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone and that he has no partners or associates and I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his slave servant and his messenger. <coughs> we would like to begin this evening uh, as we return after a long, long break by thanking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he has allowed us to return to the explanation of this very important, unique book of Islamic Aqeedah entitled Kitab Al-Tawheed Al-Nazi Huwa Haq Allah, Haq Allah Ala Al-Abid The Book of Tawheed which is Tawheed, it is the right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala over his slaves As we know and as we discussed in previous lectures in other courses as well as in the previous chapters that we have discussed from Kitab al-Tawheed that al-Tawheed it has been explained by various scholars by dividing Tawheed into divisions sometimes into two divisions and mostly into three divisions dividing al-Tawheed into both aspects of Tawheed which help us to understand what is its meaning the Tawheed of Rububiyyah that is singling out Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as being the only one who deserves or who is actually the creator who deserves to be recognized as the creator and the protector and provider the one who gives life and causes death and the one who has control over all the affairs of the universe Allah alone, He is the one who is the Rabb who controls everything in this universe and likewise he should be singled out and he alone deserves to be named and to be qualified by the perfect name and divine qualities that no one else may be described by the qualities of perfection and the third classification is Tawheed al-Ubudiyah the Tawheed of worship which is the division of Tawheed that this book is talking about Tawheed of Ubudiyah, Tawheed of worship that Allah alone has the right to be worshipped and nothing else that is worshipped in this world deserves to be worshipped but Allah is the only one who deserves to be worshipped since He is the Creator and He is the one who has control over everything of the affairs of the universe and He is the one who has the most perfect name and divine qualities and then He singularly should be worshipped Al-Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab ibn Sulaiman Al-Kalimi Al-Najdi Rahimahullah has written a unique book in that he has discussed perhaps every important aspect related to Tawheed of Ubudiyah the Tawheed of worship warning the people of the dangers of falling into shirk and encouraging the believers to adhere to the, this aspect of Tawheed in worshipping Allah alone in the chapter that we have reached where we left off was the chapter entitled Al-Shafa'ah Al-Shafa'ah which has been translated usually as intercession and this intercession is of various types which we will discuss as we go along the important thing is that the intercession that we are talking about is intercession on the day of judgment on the day of resurrection when the people will be standing before Allah for their accounts to be taken uh, will someone Will anyone be allowed to intercede for them, to speak up on their behalf, 
to help them to gain some benefit or to protect them from some harm. Sheikh Muhammad ibn Salih al-Uthaymeen, rahimahullah, in his explanation of Kitab al-Tawheed, has mentioned in the introduction to this chapter that the author of the book, Sheikh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab, rahimahullah, has entitled this chapter, Al-Shafa'a. And that is because the pagan, the mushrikeen, the pagan mushrikeen disbelievers, they used to worship idols. They used to worship folk gods by saying, these are our shufa'a, these are our intercessors. On the day of judgment, when we give some worship to them on the day of judgment, they will intercede for us and they will help us in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Well, in fact, these idols that they worship are worshipped falsely and they have no right to be worshipped. When they supplicate to them and when they seek help from them or whatever, worship that they direct towards them, it is falsely done. These pagan disbelievers, he said, they used to think that they are glorifying Allah, that they are glorifying Allah by making intercession through the idols. While in fact, they are describing Allah with shortcoming and imperfection, as though he is in need of someone as an intermediary between him and his servant. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he is the one who has perfect knowledge. And he is the one who has total and absolute control and power over everything. And therefore he has no, no one, he has no need of any intercessor, of anyone as an intermediary between him and his servant. Likewise the pagans, he says that the pagans said that we worship them, the idols or the false gods, we worship them so that they may intercede for us in front of Allah, that we may get near to Allah through them. And that we are trying to get near to Allah through these intermediaries. Well, in fact, they are indeed astray in thinking so. For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has perfect knowledge and He has total power and authority over everything in the universe and has no need for any intermediaries or intercessors. Then the Shaykh explains that this misconception it is based upon the idea that the kings and the rulers in this world, because of their incomplete knowledge and imperfect authority and power. They are in need of ministers or helpers or supporters or aides or intermediaries between them and the people to make up for their shortcomings. And therefore, they thought that likewise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as the, as the ruler of the university is like these creatures who are imperfect who are in need of helpers, someone to aid them. Then the Shaykh, he says that what is meant here by intercession so what is intended by intercession, it is two things. Number one, Allah intends by allowing intercession to honor those whom He gives permission to intercede for others. When He allows somebody to intercede for another, He honors them in doing so. And likewise, it is in order to give some benefit to those who are interceded for, who are in need of that intercession, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to benefit them in this way. Remember Shaykh says in closing that a shafa'a Linguistically, it means something that is singular or a norm. And it means when something is singular or a norm and something is joined to it, it becomes two, then this is a shafa. It is the opposite of al witr al witr means singular or a norm. And al shafa means when you join something to that one which is singular and it becomes double or in two, then it is a shafa. Technically, a shafa'a, it means to seek assistance from someone else in order to gain some benefit or to repulse some harm. And the likeness of these two meanings of gaining benefit or repulsing harm is the shafa'a of the Prophet ﷺ for the people who are destined for the paradise. He will intercede with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in order for them to enter the paradise. So we will intercede in order for them to gain some benefit, to actually enter the paradise while they are waiting their time. And the example of repulsing some harm is the intercession of the Prophet ﷺ for those who are entitled to the hellfire. Because of their sins, the justice of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala requires that they should be punished. However, the Prophet ﷺ will be allowed to intercede for some of the people who are destined for the hellfire so that they will not enter the hellfire at all. They will never enter it 
by the intercession of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam by the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Those of you who were with us previously, you know that we have been following the explanation of Kitab al-Tawheed by Sheikh Muhammad Abdul Aziz al-Qara'awi who is a contemporary scholar living today in Saudi Arabia in Al-Qasim and his book is unique in that he has taken each of the evidences from the original text of the book and explained the meanings and that the points of benefit that are derived from them and their relationship to the chapter under discussion and the relationship to the general subject of al-Tawheed so those of you who have the book or who may be able to get it, uh, the translation of that book, Al-Jadid, is published by International Islamic Publishing House, and it's entitled The Book of Tawheed. Uh, it is a brief explanation of Kitab Tawheed, and that is the explanation that we are primarily following. Likewise, there is another translation of Kitab Tawheed, which is a translation of the actual text, the original text of the book, including at the end of each chapter the issues of importance that Shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab rahimahullah mentions after every chapter those issues of Messiah are not mentioned in this explanation of Kitab al-Tawheed therefore and the use of this translation by Master al Salam is also useful in that their, in their translation they have followed the original order of the book and they have included these important issues that the author has mentioned at the end of each chapter in any case we will uh, use both of them and uh, it is good if you are able to take notes because perhaps there will be some correction of some of the translations and also there will be additional points from other books of explanation including uh, the explanation of Shaykh Muhammad ibn Salih al-Uthaymeen rahimahullah so the author begins this chapter in which he mentions five evidences and the first of them is the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from Surah Al-An'am Chapter 6, verse 51, the saying of Allah Azza wa Jalla, وَأَنذِرْ بِهِ الَّذِينَ يَخَافُونَ أَنْ يُحْشَرُوا إِلَىٰ رَبِّهِمْ وَأَنذِرْ بِهِ الَّذِينَ يَخَافُونَ أَنْ يُحْشَرُوا إِلَىٰ رَبِّهِمْ And warn by it, by the Qur'an, warn by the Qur'an, الَّذِينَ يَخَافُونَ أَنْ يُحْشَرُوا إِلَىٰ رَبِّهِمْ Those who fear that they will be gathered together that they will be brought together to stand for judgment in front of their Lord and those they are the mu'minun, the believers they are those who fear who know with certainty because of their iman, the belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the revelation that he has revealed they know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has promised that the believers that there will come a day when the people will be resurrected they will be brought back to life and they will be called to account and judge for their life in this world therefore those who believe in that they fear that day because it will be a terrible day so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordered the Prophet وَأَنذِرْ بِهِ by the Qur'an warn them الَّذِينَ يَخَافُونَ يُحْشَرُوا those who fear that they will be gathered up that they will be collected for judgment before their Lord لَيْسَ لَهُمْ مِن دُونِهِ وَلِيٌّ وَلَا شَفِيعٌ لَعَلَّهُمْ يَتَّقُونَ on that day, when there will not be any wali, no protector, or helper, or guardian, or anyone who look, at, who look after your affairs, there will be no wali for you. And there will be no shafir, no one who will intercede for you on that day. He said, warn them, those who fear of this day of gathering before their Lord, in the time when there will not be any protector, and there will not be any intercessor. Perhaps from this warning, they will have taqwa. They would fear the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on that particular day. <coughs> Here, the Shaykh Muhammad al-Qarawi, Hafizahullah, may Allah protect and preserve him, he says that the general meaning of this ayat is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded his Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in this verse to inform the people, to warn them, and them to inform them and to warn them, meaning to put fear into them to put fear into them of that thing, to warn them against something which will be dangerous for them that is those who are certain of the resurrection and the day of gathering, those who are certain of such that indeed they might 
seek protection from on that day a resurrection when they will stand in front of Allah. That is, they will seek protection by fearing Allah, by fulfilling His command and avoiding His prohibition. That is the comprehensive meaning of a taqwa, and the scholars have defined it in many ways, but one of the most comprehensive meanings is that a taqwa means to fulfill Allah's commands and to avoid his prohibitions. This is a shield that one may protect itself from the fire by fulfilling his commands and avoiding his prohibitions. Those who fear the day when they will stand in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when they will not have any wali, any helper, they will not have any nafir, no one who will support them on that day, and they will not have any shafir, intercessor, who will intercede for them to protect them from the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, perhaps if they know this, then they will indeed fulfill his command and avoid his prohibition. This is the meaning of the ayat as the Shaykh has explained it. Then he mentions from this verse there are three principal benefits and fawaiz. The first of them is that warning and advising it doesn't benefit anyone except the believers. And it also don't have iman, when you warn them of the threat of Allah, of the day of gathering and resurrection, of the paradise and the hellfire, it doesn't benefit them because they don't have iman. So this warning, it benefits those who believe. That's why Allah said, وَأَنذِرْ بِهِ الَّذِينَ يَقَافُونَ Warned by it, by the Qur'an, those who fear, those who have iman. The second benefit is Isbat al-Ba'ath, the confirmation or the affirmation of the resurrection. This ayat is a proof indeed that there is a day of resurrection. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in it, الَّذِينَ يَقَافُونَ أَيُحْشَرُوا إِلَىٰ رَبِّهِمْ Those who fear that they would be gathered and collected to stand in front of their Lord. And the third point that is derived from this ayat is the negation of الشَّفَاعَةِ that there is no shafa'ah because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says لَيْسَ لَهُمْ مِن دُونِهِ وَلِيٌ وَلَا شَفِيعٌ that they will not have anyone less than him or other than him or besides him they will not have, it, have anyone as a wali or as a shafi'ah so there is no intercession the basic rule, the general rule is that there is no intercession but as we go on we will see in other evidences that there is the affirmation of intercession with condition and no one has the absolute right to intercede no one can help you on that day except Allah. He is the only intercessor. Intercessor. He is the only one who can help you or support you. Except that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with conditions that he has set will allow some of those who he has favored and who he intends to honor, he will allow them to intercede for others if the conditions are fulfilled that he has set for intercession. So here also we understand when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that they will not have any wali and no shafi'ah, it means that there is no intercession. It is the negation of intercession except the intercession that is confirmed with the conditions that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said and made known in the Qur'an and the Sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And those conditions are two which are mentioned in some of the future evidences in this chapter. The first of them it is the permission of Allah. Al-Ibn al-Shafi'i that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the first condition is that Allah gives permission to the one who will intercede. The first condition so the acceptability of intercession is that Allah gives a permission to someone to intercede on behalf of someone else and the other one is our rida that Allah is pleased with the one who intercedes and he is pleased with the one for whom the intercession is for he is pleased with their speech and he is pleased with their actions and this pleasure of Allah yani Allah being pleased with someone and allowing them to intercede or someone to be interceded for it is only for the Ahl Tawheed the people of Tawheed the Ahl Ikhlaq the people who worship Allah alone. As for the people who fell into shirk and died on shirk, then Allah will never be pleased with them and there is no intercession for them. Intercession, it is only for the people of Tawheed. The people who died on Tawheed, who avoided the worship of other than Allah in any way. Then he mentioned the relationship of this verse to the chapter, the chapter al Shafa. He said that this, the relationship is that this verse points to or indicates the negation of al-shafa'ah yani the topic of al-shafa'ah it is the topic and yani the, the shaykh al-imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab rahimahullah intends by this chapter bab al-shafa'ah he intends to, me, to mention that there is an intercession which is negated which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would not allow and there is also an intercession which is affirmed 
what he will allow conditions. So this ayat, its relation to the chapter heading, is that it points out the fact that a shafa'ah is negated. The general rule is that there's no shafa'ah except from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and there's shafa'ah from others with the conditions that we will discuss in detail as he goes along with the other evidences. Likewise, the relationship of this verse to the topic of a tawheed that means the book itself, the general topic or theme of a tawheed the relationship of this verse to that theme is, this, uh, that, is that this ayah points out the negation of a shafa'ah that there is no shafa'ah for the creatures, the servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala no one is allowed to intercede independently in and of themselves and therefore whoever seeks intercession from any created being from anyone or anything other than Allah, whoever seeks intercession for other than Allah, while intercession is the exclusive right of Allah alone, then they are fallen into shirk. And that's the relationship between this ayat and the book or the general topic of a tawheed. That a shafa is the right of Allah alone, whoever seeks to from other than Allah, then they have violated tawheed and fallen into shirk. And this is what the pagans did when they claimed that they worshipped the idols because those idols would be able to intercede for them on Yom Qiyamah but in fact no one is allowed and nothing will be allowed to intercede except by the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that will only be for those whom he is pleased with uh, because they are from the people of Tawheed the next verse that the Shaykh mentions is the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Zumar chapter 39 verse 44 the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala قُلْ لِلَّهِ أَشْشَفَاعَةُ جَمِيعًا This verse is similar to the previous verse in that it negates الشَّفَاعَةُ for other than Allah قُلْ لِلَّهِ أَشْشَفَاعَةُ جَمِيعًا That all intercession it is for Allah alone He ordered the Prophet ﷺ to say لِلَّهِ أَشْشَفَاعَةُ That it is all for Allah And this manner of speaking in Arabic where he says Lillahi ash-shafa'atu instead of saying ash-shafa'atu lillah is more definite in the negation of intercession being for anyone other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala قُلْ لِلَّهِ ash-shafa'atu جَمِيعًا that all intercession is for Allah لَهُ الْمُلْقُ وَلَهُ مُلْقُ السَّمَوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ ثُمَّ إِلَيْهِ سُرْجَعُونَ that the sovereignty and the dominion of the heavens and the earth it is for him لَهُ مُلْقُ السَّمَوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ for Allah is the sovereignty or the dominion of the heavens and the earth ثُمَّ إِلَيْهِ تُرْجَعُونَ then, then to him you will be returned يعني, to him you will be returned that means that after death everyone will be resurrected and they will stand in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be rewarded because to account for their actions in this world those who did good then the reward will be accordingly and those who did evil accordingly of course with the condition that those actions were done purely for the sake of Allah alone and in accordance with the Sharia of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam also we can understand from this verse that as long as a shafa'ah it is absolutely the right of Allah alone and he is the one who controls the heavens and the earth and he has absolute authority to do what he wills in his universe then likewise part of that absolute authority is the authority of al-shafa'ah and no one has that authority independent of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then he ends the verse by saying then we return to him and then at that time when we return to him those who thought otherwise will come to know that whoever they sought intercession from will not be able to help them in any way and the shaykh says that the general meaning of this verse <clears throat> is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he has ordered his prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to inform the people of whatever idea theology, philosophy whatever path they may be following all of the people, whoever they are to inform them that as shafa'a in all of its types and forms it is part of or it is in the possession of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala every type of intercession and we will see that the types of intercession are many some of the scholars have list, list, listed them as six and some have listed as eight and even more than that 
those which are clearly confirmed in the Quran and Sunnah as mentioned by Ibn Abi Is in his explanation of of uh, his explanation of Al-Aqibah Tahawiyah he mentioned them as eight and here the Sheikh mentions here six of those and two others which are general and some of the scholars mentioned others which we will try to list uh, he says here that he ordered the Prophet ﷺ to inform the people whatever they are thinking or philosophy or ideology or aqidah may be, whatever is their belief, that all types of shafa belong to Allah alone. And no one, no one can contend with him or contest him concerning a shafa. No one has the ability to intercede without the permission of Allah, independently of the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then he goes on in this verse to confirm that the sovereignty and the dominion it is for Allah concerning a shafa and other than that all of it belongs to Allah alone and He is the one who has absolute control over the affairs of the heavens and the earth and whoever or whatever is in them the heavens and the earth and all of its creatures and that indeed it is a must that we must it is a must that we will return to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that there is a day when we will return to Him and on that day those who have taken others besides Allah who have sought intercession or help or assistance or power in other than Allah they will come to know indeed the reality that those who they sought intercession from have no power or no ability of any type in any shape or form or fashion to intercede for them or help them in any way then the Shaykh here again mentions three points or three benefits that are derived from this verse the first of them is the multiplicity of al-shafa'ah yani that al-shafa'ah it is not one type but there are many types of al-shafa'ah number two that al-shafa'ah it is in the possession or the control of Allah alone and no one has any part of it no one shares with him in, it in any way except that he gives permission to someone to intercede al-shafa'ah and he is pleased with the one who is interceded for al-mashfur lahu that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives permission his even to someone to intercede and he is pleased with someone else al-riba he is pleased with someone that they want to intercede for and al-shifa belongs to Allah alone no one has any right but only with these conditions being fulfilled the permission of Allah and his pleasure with the one who is interceded for and the one who is interceding likewise can intercession take place and the last point he mentions also this verse confirms the reality of the resurrection that indeed we will return to Allah thumma ilayhi turja'oon is a proof and affirmation or confirmation that we will be resurrected after our death in the means we stand before Allah for judgment the relationship between this ayat and the chapter heading al-shafa'a is that this ayat points to the fact that al-shafa'a or intercession in all of its sites and all this type, it is the right of Allah alone. He is the one who controls it. And no one, we cannot expect that anyone has the ability to intercede except with these two conditions that Allah gives permission for someone to intercede and he is pleased with the one who is interceded for. The relationship between this verse and the general topic of a tawheed is that this verse confirms that a shafa'ah it is in the control of Allah alone and no one deserves it and no one has the right to it besides Him and that is because a shafa'ah is part of the dominion of Allah the control of the universe which is an aspect of tawheed the tawheed of al-rububiyah tawheed al-rububiyah that Allah is the sovereign the Lord, the creator and the one who controls everything a shafa'ah is a part of His rububiyah so whoever offers it to other than Allah or imagines that anyone has the right to a shafa'ah other than Allah without the permission of Allah they have, they have violated the tawheed of al-rububiyah they have violated the fact that Allah alone controls everything in his kingdom therefore whoever seeks intercession in other than Allah has fallen into shirk and this shirk it is major shirk for which if a person dies on it it will not be forgiven and they will be prohibited permanently from entering the paradise and they are destined for eternal residence in the hellfire here 
the Sheikh mentioned a note concerning Ikshafa'a, concerning the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Lillahi Ikshafa'a to Jamian, that all types of Shafa'a belong to Allah. This verse indi- indicates that a Shafa'a is of different types. And he says that the scholars have mentioned eight types, some of them have mentioned eight, here he mentions eight of them. The first of them, and it's not necessarily in the order of the handout that we have given, but in any case, uh, six of those he has mentioned here, at least, are contained in this handout. Two of them he didn't mention here, but he mentioned something else, and we'll compare them. The first of them is al-Shafa' al-Kubra, or al-Udma, the great intercession, and that, sh- that Shafa'a, the great intercession, is the intercession in which the Ulul Azm, those great prophets, the five great prophets who the people would go to on Yom Qiyamah to intercede for them, to start the judgment because of the fear and terror that the people would be in, awaiting the beginning of the judgment, and they would refuse. They would not be able to intercede. Then the people would go to the Prophet Muhammad wasallam and he would intercede by the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in order that the people would be free from the terror and the fear and the horror of that place of standing while they are waiting for the judgment and to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to begin the judgment and this intercession, al-shafa'a, al-kubra it is especially for the Nabi of Allah Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and no one will share it with him and after they will go to the other prophet then Finally, they will go to the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, and he will, as mentioned in the authentic hadith, he will prostrate himself in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and praise him in the way that Allah is pleased that he praise him and the way that Allah wills him to praise him. And then after some time, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will tell him to raise up his head and to speak and it will be heard and to act and he will be given and to intercede and his intercession will be accepted. The second type of intercession that the Shaykh mentions here is the intercession of the Prophet وسلم, for the Ahlul Jannah, the people of Paradise, that they will enter the Paradise. And while they have been judged and they have been uh, assigned to the Paradise, they will be awaiting to enter and the Prophet Wasallam, Muhammad, he will be the first one to enter Paradise and he will intercede with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the people to enter. And this is mentioned in a long hadith reported by both Al-Bukhari and Muslim and the authorities Abu Hurairah. The third type of intercession is his intercession وسلم, for the people, the sinners of his ummah, those who committed major sins, who committed major sins and didn't repent from them. Those who committed major sins and did not repent, then they would be under the will of Allah, تحت Allah. That means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He will punish them if He wills, and that would be justice. Or He may forgive them if He wills, and Allah does whatever He wills. Those people who died having committed major sins for which they did not repent, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa would intercede for them. While they are deserving of the hellfire, he would intercede for them so that they would not enter the fire at all. Some of the people who committed major sins and deserve to be punished, the Prophet ﷺ would intercede for them by permission of Allah and they would not enter the hellfire. The fourth of the, the intercessions that he mentioned is the intercession of the Prophet ﷺ for the sinners, those who committed major sins from the Ahl Tawheed, the people who died on Tawheed, but they committed major sins for which they didn't repent. And they would enter the fire due to their sins. Allah would judge them and they would enter the fire and they would be punished for their sins. However, because of the intercession of the Prophet ﷺ, they would be removed from the fire. And such hadith confirming this have been narrated mutawatira, uh, that is, by innumerable chains of narration such that there is no doubt about their authenticity. It is obligatory for us to believe and to act in accordance with it. And also there is ijma' or consensus of the companions of the Prophet and the Ahl Sunnah and Jama'ah on this point. While some of those who deviated rejected this intercession for those who committed major sins and didn't repent from them. And they said whoever died having committed major sins they would be in the hellfire. This is the Khawarij and the Ma'isabidah. The first type of intercession is the intercession of the Prophet for the people of paradise. And those people who would have entered the paradise so that their reward would be increased and that their level or their status in paradise would be raised up. And this is something that is undisputed about which there is no doubt. This is one of the types of intercession that would be accorded to the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The sixth of the intercessions is the intercession of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam for the reduction or reducing of the punishment of some of the people who would be in hellfire 
and specifically it is mentioned here this specific uh, intercession is the intercession of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi from his uncle Abu Talib who died on Kufr now for much of his life he supported and defended and protected the Prophet sallallahu alaihi and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would allow him a special favor to intercede for him meaning to reduce his punishment but not to remove him from the hellfire for whoever died on Kufr they cannot come out of the hellfire uh, the other two types of intercession that the Sheikh doesn't mention here, but which are mentioned in the explanation of Aqeel al-Tahawiyya by Ibn Abi al is that there will be intercession for those people, for some of the people, to enter the paradise without account. I mean, without any account being taken, without their deeds being weighed, the Prophet Sallallahu intercede for them, and they will enter the paradise without any account. And the last of what he mentioned in the explanation of Aqeel al-Tahawiyya, is the intercession for those people whose good deeds and evil deeds were equal and their scales were balanced, they were equal and there would be intercession for them so that they would enter the paradise the last two types of intercession that the Sheikh mentions here is the intercession of children who died before the age of puberty whose parents were believers whose parents were believers and they would intercede for their parents those children who died before they reached the age of puberty if they died from amongst the Muslim people their parents were believers then Allah SWT will allow them to intercede for their believing parents and the last of them is the intercession of some of the believers fathers and this is a general intercession and it includes many people the people who died in jihad as shaheed uh, as well as others that Allah SWT will allow some of the believers to intercede for others the next verse that Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab rahimahullah mentions is the saying of Allah SWT in Surah Al-Baqarah Chapter 2 verse 255 Allah la ilaha illa huwa al-hayy al-qayyum That Allah, there's nothing which deserves to be worshipped except Him He is al-hayy, the one who has perfect life The ever-living Al-qayyum, the one who is self-subsisting And the one who subsists independent of everything else He doesn't have any need of anything While everything relies upon Him for their subsistence For their existence Everything is relying upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He is independent of everything لا تأخذه سنة ولا نوم that neither slumber nor sleep can overcome him له ما في السماوات وما في الأرض that everything whatever is in the heavens and whatever is in the earth it is his and it belongs to him it is his under his authority or his control and his possession من ذا الذي يشفع عنده إلا بإذنه and this is the shahid in this verse this is the point that the shaykh wants to mention من ذا الذي يشفع عنده إلا بإذنه Who is it that can intercede with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala except by his permission? This is a question which is understood in Arabic to mean negation of there being anyone. Yani who can intercede with him? No one can intercede with him except by his permission. And this is the negation of the shifa'a for other, for anyone. There is no intercession for anyone except the one whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives permission to intercede يَعْلَمُ مَا بَيْنَ أَيْدِيهِمْ وَمَا خَلْفَهُمْ He knows what is before them and what is behind them وَلَا يُحَيْتُونَ بِشَيْءٍ مِنْ عِلْمِهِ And they are not able to encompass anything of his knowledge إِلَّا بِمَا شَاءَ Except by what he wills And here in this uh, perhaps the Shaykh mentions it Let's see first And in any case here there is also the affirmation of إِلَّا بِمَا شَاءَ The affirmation of Al-Mashiyah that Allah has a will that Allah is the world just like previously there is the affirmation of his ilm يَعْلَمُ مَا بَيْنَ أَيْدِيهِمْ وَمَا خَلْفَهُمْ and so on وَاسِعَ قُرْسِيهُ السَّمَوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَلَا يَعُودُ حَفْظُهُمَا وَهُوَ الْعَنِي الْعَظِيمُ and his kursi extends over the heavens and the earth and his kursi is greater than the whole of the heavens and the earth the kursi of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it is the greatest of whatever he has created in its size it is the greatest thing that Allah has created other than his Arsh, other than the Arsh. The Arsh is the greatest of Allah's creation in size and the second of Allah's creation, greatest of Allah's creation is the Kursi. It extends over the heavens and the earth and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not tired by protecting or preserving or maintaining all that He has created in the heavens and the earth. And He is the most high, He is the most great or the supreme. the Shaykh says concerning this ayat, the general meaning of the ayat is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informs in this verse that He is the ma'bud, the haq. And He is the one that deserves to be worshipped and there is nothing that deserves to be worshipped besides Him. La ilaha illa huwa. There is nothing 
that has the right to worship other than Him. Because He is Al-Hay, He is the ever-living, who has perfect life. That life which is not affected by anything and it never ceases, and there is no end to it. And He is Al-Qayyum, the one who is independent in and of Himself, while He is the one who sustains, and everything else relies upon Him in His creation for their existence. And also, He is free of whatever affects His creatures, such as slumber, sleep, hunger, thirst, or whatever are the defects of the human being, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not described by any of these things. Allah is perfect in every way. And likewise, He is perfect in His sovereignty and dominion of the heavens and the earth and whatever is in the two of them. And no one can contest Him in His control and authority over the heavens and the earth and whatever is in them, including including the fact that no one has the right to intercession except by his permission. Whoever they may be, and whether prophets or angels or righteous, no one has the right to intercede because no one controls anything of the heavens and the earth except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Therefore no one can intercede except after his permission and except with his pleasure. He is the one who has perfect knowledge and his knowledge encompasses everything and no one has the ability to encompass anything of his knowledge except if he will and that is by revelation or by any other means. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives his knowledge to whomever he will. He gives the knowledge, the best of the knowledge to the prophets and messengers by wahi, by revelation and he gives knowledge to others of his creatures by other means. His kursi it extends over the heavens and the earth and it is not difficult it is not a burden on him to maintain the heavens and the earth to maintain and to protect and to preserve them that is because he is Al Ali the one who is high above everything over all of the creation and he is Al Azim he is above everything that might be considered as great in this ayat the Shaykh now then on this ayat, the Shaykh mentions a number of points, just quickly. Uh, the first of them is the affirmation of five of the names of Allah, that is Allah, Al-Hayy, the living, Al-Qayyum, the self-subsisting, Al-Ali, the Most High, Al-Azim, the Supreme. The second point is that Allah has negated from Himself any defects such as slumber or sleep, and that is because such things are superior to the creatures, and they are an indication of imperfection. The third thing is Allah has negated a shafa from his creatures and none of his creatures have the right independently to intercede except by his permission. Number four, the affirmation of al-Mashiach, that Allah has a will. Number five, the affirmation of al-Shafa, and there's intercession by permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Number six, the affirmation of al-Qursi, and the Qursi, as has been narrated in some of the thoughts, and it was reported from Abdul ibn Abbas anhuma, that the Qursi of Allah is the Maudi Qadamayni and it is the place where Allah's two feet rest it is, as some have described the footstool of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the place of his two feet that has been narrated authentically from Abdul ibn Abbas anhuma. also the affirmation of the perfection of the power of Allah and the knowledge of Allah the affirmation of the characteristic of Al-Ulu, Highness for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala of both types, the Highness of Allah's that His being, and the Highness of Allah's Sifat, His characteristics or qualities, and number nine, the confirmation of the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Al-Azim, Al-Azim. The relationship of this ayat to the chapter heading is that this ayat negates affirmation independent affirmation for any of the creatures except by the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the relationship of this ayat to the general topic of Tawheed is that this ayat points to the negation of a shafa for any of his creatures independently and therefore whoever seeks in the intercession from any of the creatures they are falling into shirk, they are violated Tawheed because it is a fact that Allah alone is the one who this belongs to uh, then the Shaykh mentioned that Ayatul Kursi, that has been mentioned in some of the authentic hadith, that which makes us to know that Ayatul Kursi is the greatest ayat in the Quran, and that whoever reads it in the evening, they will be protected from Shaytan until the morning, and likewise whoever reads it in the morning, they will be protected from Shaytan until the evening, inshaAllah. 
the fourth ayat that the Sheikh mentioned, Rahimahullah, is the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Najm, chapter 53, verse 26. The saying of Allah, وَكَمْ مِنْ مَلَكٍ فِي السَّمَوَاتِ How many are the angels in the heaven? And there are many, so many are the angels in the heaven. لَا تُغْنِي شَفَاعَتُهُمْ شَيْئًا That their intercession doesn't benefit in any way whatsoever. The intercession even of those which are closest to Allah, the angels, it has no benefit for anyone إِلَّا مِنْ بَعْدْ أَنْ يَأْذَنَ اللَّهِ لِمَنْ يَشَاءَ وَيَرْضَى Except after Allah gives permission to whomever He wills and He is pleased. And even the intercession of the angels, there is no benefit from it except after Allah gives permission to whomever He wills. heaven and in spite of the large number of angels and their high status in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, their intercession will not benefit in any way except after permission from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and him being pleased. The Shaykh mentions four benefits, four benefits from this ayat. The first of them is the affirmation that the heavens, all of the heavens are inhabited by angels. Number two, the affirmation of a shafa'a intercession with two conditions that is permission of Allah and Him being pleased. And He says that Allah is not pleased with anyone except the people of Tawheed. And this is, as it has been mentioned in the authentic hadith, report of Al Bukhari on the authority of Abu Huraira. Abu Huraira reports that He asked who would be the most favorite of the people. Who would, who, would in, who would receive your intercession, O Messenger of Allah, men af'ad al-nas, the most fortunate of the people who receive your intercession, he said, qala, man qala la ilaha illallah khalisan min khalbi. Yani the one who, the, those who would be the most fortunate to receive the intercession of the Prophet wasallam, are those who said, there's nothing that deserves to be worshipped except Allah, but they said it khalisan min khalbi. Yani those who said it purely, sincerely from their heart. But whoever said it, without sincerity, then there is no benefit in saying La ilaha illallah except that he is said sincerely for the sake of Allah alone believing in it and hoping for the benefit of it from Allah. Number three, the confirmation of the characteristics, the sifa of al-mashiyah also in this ayat there is confirmation that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has the will because he said that no one, that the angels will not be allowed to intercede except after Allah gives permission liman yasha to whomever he wills uh, from amongst his service, yani that Allah has a will, and the fourth point is the affirmation of the sifa of al riba the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as mentioned in the same verse, لِمَا يَشَاءَ وَيَرْضَى those whom Allah, to whomever Allah wills, and He is pleased. That means that Allah has a will, and that Allah is also pleased with some things and some of His creatures. The relationship of this ayat to the chapter heading is that this ayat also indicates the negation of al-shafa'ah from all of his creatures except for the two conditions of the permission of Allah and the pleasure of Allah. And the relationship of this ayat to the general topic of Tawheed is that, is that this ayat uh, indicates that al-shafa'ah will not be achieved by anyone except by the permission of Allah and his pleasure. And therefore, this is the, in the total control of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala whoever seeks it from other than Allah 
they have fallen into major shirk, shirk akbar uh, and therefore those who seek intercession from idols or anything other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then they have fallen into shirk the last proof that the shaykh mentions that he closes with is the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in surah al-sabah chapter 34 verse 22 and 23 he's saying Qul, Allah ta'ala says say fall on or supplicate those who you claim claim as being associates or gods besides Allah Allah. call on them supplicate to them worship them ask for whatever you like while they controlled nothing, not even that which is equal to an atom, atom's weight or a small ant. They control and they do not possess anything, even that which is equal to the weight of an atom, not in the heavens nor in the earth. So that means they don't possess anything. Nor do they have in the heavens and the earth any shirk, yani they don't have any musharika. They don't share in anything of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala owns of the heavens and the earth. They don't own it, nor do they have any share in it. وَمَا لَهُ مِنْهُمْ مِنْ ظَهِيرٌ Nor has Allah taken from amongst those whom they have called them besides Allah. He has not taken any one of them as a helper or a supporter or as an assistant. So they don't control anything in the heavens and the earth. They don't share in the control of the heavens and the earth. And they don't even help Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in any way. And after that he closed the verse by saying, وَلَا تَنْفَعُوا الشَّفَاعَةُ عِنْدَهُ إِلَّا لِمَنْ أَذِنَ لَهُ And intercession will not benefit anyone in the presence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala except the one that He gives permission to. The Shaykh gives the explanation of this verse saying that in this verse Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has informed us that the pagan disbelievers, they used to ask those whom they worship, whom they have taken as God besides Allah. They used to call on them and ask for their needs. While they are not able to bring about any benefit, nor are they able to repulse any harm. Because the reason why they can't give any benefit or repulse any harm is because they don't control, they don't possess, they don't own even the weight of an atom, of good or of evil, not in the heavens nor in the earth. Nor do they have any share in whatever is in the heavens and the earth. And nor has Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala taken from that which they have worshipped besides Him anyone or anything as a helper or as an assistant. Even a shafa'ah, and likewise a shafa'ah, they don't possess or control it in any way, whoever they may be, whether angels or otherwise, except after the permission of Allah for someone to intercede. And this has been made clear by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in that the angels, those who are of the greatest of His creatures, and those who one might have more hope that they would be allowed to intercede, that they fall faint from the fear of Allah and the sight of Allah and the awe of Allah and when that sight yani, is removed from them then they ask one another what has our Lord said and some of them answer others saying that he has spoken the truth and he is Al-Ali yani, the most high above all of his creatures Al-Kabir above every Kabir and that's the end of the verse which I didn't read the benefit from this verse he mentioned five quickly the first of them is the negation of whatever the pagan disbelievers imagine that their idol or their false god could do for them. The negation of them having any ability, any control over anything in the heavens and the earth, or any share in it, or in any way that they are helpless for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, even including a shafa'ah, they couldn't even speak up for them or ask for help from, for them without permission of Allah. Number two, the confirmation of a shafa'ah. The confirmation of a shafa'ah was the permission of Allah, while the negation of a shafa'ah without his permission. Number three, the confirmation of the awe of Allah and His greatness and glory in the end of this verse where it mentions that when the fear is removed from the angels that uh, they would say what as our Lord said and he would say, they would say that He has spoken the truth وَهُوَ الْعَلِيُّ الْكَبِيرُ This is the confirmation of the greatness and glory and magnificence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Number four, the confirmation of the sifat al-qawl lillah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks as they said what did He say? and they answered يعني, قال, they said, What has your Lord said? This is the confirmation that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks. And number five, the affirmation of two of the names of Allah, Al-Ali, the Most High, and Al-Kabir, the Great. The relationship of this verse to the chapter heading is that this verse also negates a shafa without the permission of Allah. 
and the relationship of this ayah to the subject of Tawheed is that it negates Shifa for any of his creatures independently and therefore is a proof that this is of those rights which belong to Allah alone whoever seeks it from other than him has fallen into shirk then he closes with the statement Qala Abu al-Abbas that is Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has negated whatever the mushrik thought that their pagan gods could benefit them in any way he negated from them having any control of anything in the universe or any share in it or helping in any way uh, and even the only thing that remained for them was the possibility of their pagan gods might be able to speak up or intercede for them and in this verse Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it clear that even that is not permissible except by permission of Allah and Allah being pleased with the one who they would intercede for likewise this is confirmed in the hadith of al-shafa'ah al-kubra the, the hadith which which mentions the great uh, intercession and in that hadith it is mentioned uh, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say irfa' ra'sak and he raise your head wa'fol yusma speak and it will be heard wa'sal su'ata ask and you will be given wa'shfa' to shafa' seek intercession and you will be granted it and this intercession as we mentioned so many times uh, it is not except by the pleasure of Allah and by his permission and here he mentions another proof of that the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala وَلَا يَشْفَعُونَ إِلَّا لِمَنْ إِرْطَضَى that no one will intercede except لِمَنْ إِرْطَضَى except for the one whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleased with this is the end of uh, what the shaykh mentioned because of the lack of time inshallah uh, we will uh, skip the Messiah at the end of the chapter which the Shaykh doesn't mention here in the explanation but in the other translation of Kitab he mentions about 10 or maybe less than 10 issues uh, perhaps and in the next session we can mention those issues quickly in the beginning of the next chapter uh, but let me just call to your attention the questions at the end of the handout there are 9 questions here and any everyone should attempt to answer those questions uh, so that you can be clear what you have understood from this chapter and what you have not understood and likewise in the next uh, lecture somebody will remind me who try to quickly go through these questions Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika Shadwan la ilaha illa anta sasruka wa tubilik if there's any comment or correction or question before we go to Salat uh, if anybody has any question about what has been said quickly Maybe we can take one or two questions. They use the verses of intercession and he has the proof of the permission of tawassul. In any case, any, this is a lengthy discussion of tawassul. It's a, a topic about which there is a great controversy and there are many any points of discussion concerning it. To summarize, at tawassul, it means seeking the means of nearness to Allah. Seeking the means of nearness to Allah. At Tawassal, it is asking Allah, asking Allah, but through some means. Some of those means are lawful and some are not lawful. The people of innovation, they use unlawful means. But in any case, at Tawassal is different from a Shafa'ah. Even if sometimes they may be translated into English as intercession, both of them. But at Tawassal means to ask Allah through some means whether it is lawful or unlawful. Of the lawful means is to ask Allah by mentioning His name. To ask Allah for something by mentioning His name. Or to ask Allah because of the good deeds that one has done purely for His sake alone. To ask for your needs from Allah based on the fact that you have done some deed for Allah alone. Or to ask someone that you consider to be of the righteous people to supplicate to Allah for you. These are the lawful means of tawassul. Of the unlawful means is tawassul and in seeking uh, to get near to Allah or to, to gain your needs through the dead so-called saints and so on in any case a tawassul is asking Allah through some means while a shafa'ah is different it is seeking someone to intercede for you in front of Allah to give you some benefit or to protect you from some harm on Yawm Qiyamah and a tawassul is now in this world and a shafa'ah is in Yawm Qiyamah so the evidences related to a shafa'ah have nothing to do with tawassul tawassul is what the people are doing in this world and a shafa'ah will be in the next life how much time before the Ikhama? 10 minutes? Maybe one question. If there's one other question or any comment. There were two 
The intercession of children whose parents were believers, that they might intercede for their parents. Now, the other one is the general intercession, that is, it includes many types of intercession, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will allow some of the believers to intercede for other believers. And Allah will allow some believers to intercede for others, according to His will. Whoever He wills, He will allow them to intercede for others, but with the condition that He will only allow of the believers, He will only allow those to intercede who died on Tawheed. And He will only allow them to intercede for people who died on Tawheed. And whoever even the closest to Allah, He will not allow him to intercede for other than those who died on Tawheed, with one exception, and that is the special intercession that was allowed for the Prophet ﷺ to intercede for his uncle who died on Kufr, but he will only be allowed to intercede for him to lighten his punishment and not for him to come out of the hellfire. Is there any comments before we close? Any questions? Faith. If somebody will please remind us in the next lecture to start with the uh, and the questions from the handout, inshallah. No, inshallah.